0: Right. As promised, we're starting this week's program with a bit of trash talk. And this week on Trash Talk, we're chatting with Sonali Figueris, who is the CEO and founder of Green Queen, which is a local online website which specializes on all things sustainability. And this week she talks to Marcy Trent-Long all about her experience at COP28 with a special focus on the food sector.
1: Good morning, Trash Talk listeners. As we get close to Chinese New Year, I always like to hit the topic of food and planet, because let's face it, Chinese New Year celebrations are mostly about sharing traditional family meals. So with all the news about climate change recently, I thought it would be good to reflect on the progress or not that much progress we're making to understand the impact that feeding our growing population is having on the planet and making sure that we can continue to have these family meal traditions with all their fresh ingredients for generations to come. So on that note, Sonali Figueres, of Green Queen Media is joining us today. Sonali is fresh back from the COP28 climate change meetings in December, and as usual, she's been sharing lots of great insights about food and climate on LinkedIn, which is where I like to follow her work.
0: Thanks so much for joining us, Sonali. It's so great to be here, Marcy, and thank you so much for having me. It's been many years of us catching up over your show, so very grateful. I know. And I feel like we can talk forever, so. <laughs> Always, and happy new year. Happy new year, to um, too.
1: Well, one of the favorite posts that you wrote on LinkedIn was um, you took a selfie as you were leaving the meetings in Dubai, and you wrote, goodbye, COP28. The world's 28th UN climate change conference has officially ended, and I'll be honest, the outcome is a bit of a mixed bag. So maybe you could walk us through that mixed bag feeling.
0: Sure. Um, well, it was it's a mixed bag both um, at a global level just for humanity and I think a mixed bag also for me. Um, I felt incredibly lucky and grateful to be at COP um, for, for many reasons and to have the opportunity to be in the blue zone and get that badge and watch some of the negotiations happen real time and speak at COP um, on, on different panels. It was also very special for, for me as someone who has worked in food and climate for over a decade because this was the first COP in 28 COPs to have an official dedicated food day and I was there on that dedicated food day so it was a day dedicated to food systems programming and that felt very very monumental and I spoke to many people who had been at COP in previous years. And, you know, until COP26, food wasn't even discussed. COP27 was the first time there was a couple of food pavilions, uh, but no dedicated day and and not really making it to the main stage. And then 20 COP28 is really when food came of age, which is obviously, you know, kind of, kind of, problematic because food is so important. It's something we all do across the world every day. And of course, once again, food systems responsible for one third of global greenhouse gas emissions. Um, So there there are some things to celebrate about COP. And, you know, a lot of us in the food systems world who are Pushing and working towards, uh, you know, food systems change and adaptation and mitigation um, in the middle of this global climate crisis for food systems and agri systems, we felt that okay, the the topic has reached the menu of the main. <laughs> you know, like I know it, it's really food was on the menu, food was talked about there were you know thousands of people there working in food systems so that part is good that is good in terms of actual results and in terms of actual commitments i think we're not there yet at mm. all you know mm. i think we we just got on the menu but that's it we haven't been <laughs> ordered yet you know um so that's on the food side it's also important to say that cop is bigger than just food systems and um just as a whole i think COP was a mixed bag in terms of outcomes for the climate.
1: Right. Um, I think the fossil fuel industry.
0: And had I not gone, I would have been in this camp of, oh, you know, these climate meetings, it's just a bunch of people getting together and, and yapping away, but not doing anything. But having been on the ground, I saw things a little differently and that's why there is a magic to being there in person. I think it is, Quite um, humbling and um, just—it's—it's it's a moment where you feel really overwhelmed by the power of humanity. To just be in rooms where people from literally over a hundred and ninety countries are coming together to discuss issues and trying to find consensus, this is so magical. I mean in many ways it is the only event in the world that brings about people from so many countries and that seeks to find consensus on so many issues. And so if you look at it from that lens, sorry, it's very unique and very special. And there's a power to that. Are we are we all finding the consensus we want? Obviously not. But there is a magic to the being all together and trying. And in a world where we are just beset by extreme polarization and you know, algorithm based clickbait social media, it felt good to just see humans talking and trying because sometimes it feels that we've lost our ability to do that.
1: Right. I bet that was pretty
0: emotional at times. It was. Mm-hmm. I definitely got teary when I was in the UN plenary session. About food, and I saw all these government officials, and NGO folks, and activists, and journalists, and researchers, and scientists, just all wanting to get their work out there and advocate for a better world. And I mean, I don't know. I call me sentimental, but <laughs> there is something that felt very special. At the same time, I'm a I'm a you know diehard cynic, and I I believe there is just so much more to go. It's the, it's only a beginning, but. Is the, is the option better to not have these meetings, these rencontres, these, these moments? I don't think so. Yeah, I agree with you.
1: Of course, it's better to have the meetings. And it's a good thing you're a cynic. That's what makes you a really good journalist. So to some of our trash talk listeners, I would say when you say the word food systems could It's hard to understand what that means. Is that the plastic packaging around the bell pepper that I'm gonna buy? Is that, you know, what does that mean, food systems and
0: emissions are
1: coming from that?
0: Absolutely. So I think um, food systems, when I'm using that term and when most people are using terms, we're really talking about everything from agriculture all the way to getting it to your plate. So yes, packaging and and transport do matter to some extent all the way at the end, but the bulk of the term refers to growing crops and uh, in in many cases animals in order to then convert them into foodstuffs, Yeah, different products, different inputs that then go on to be put into other products, Um, right? So food systems refers to everything from the soil, the water, the farmers, the manufacturing plants, the the livestock uh, factories, the everything, the, the slaughterhouses for animals, the grain halls for 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 wheat, you know, rice plantations, just everything that is physically out there, space where we accord uh, land and resources to growing food that then eventually gets transformed. Uh, and transported to our supermarkets, our plates, our restaurants. So that's what food systems is a very broad term that encompasses all of that.
1: And it gets transported to our Chinese New Year meals, right? That's (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Um, And so maybe take apart that a little bit because we know that meat has a big part in this and so if mm-hmm. if yes. you were if you were to talk to the trash talk listener and say well you know and they asked you hey well okay what can i do so what would be some of the better things they could do
0: right so just to give everyone a, an overview it's very important not to blame the consumer. We are not in the middle of a climate crisis because of consumer choices. That's a very unfair burden that a lot of, that business and government sometimes places on consumers and that is not one that I subscribe to. However, all of us may want to help and may want to mitigate the consequences of of, of what's happening and, and of the climate crisis. And in that case, there are certain actions that have an outsize effect on your global emissions footprint as an individual. And unfortunately, most of us have the wrong instinct about what those actions are. And organizations like Project Drawdown, who use data to create kind of lists of the most impactful actions, time and time again, will tell you that the two most impactful actions that you can take as an individual are to one, reduce your meat, and dairy consumption, so livestock-related foods, and to reduce food waste. Mm, and I think those are very pertinent for Chinese New Year. So those are the two biggest actions you can take above everything else. I, I can tell you, most people will be shocked to find this out. Recycling is absolutely at the bottom of the list. <laughs> it is, I know. It just does not have the footprint impact that you would think. Yeah, well, and so. What we were trying to do at COP, as a a global food systems sector, was trying to really get that message across to governments and businesses and all kinds of intra and supranational uh, organizations, which is that food system change and making our food system more resilient, more adaptable, uh, lower emissions is the absolute number one priority and that there is no achieving any net zero goals. There is no mitigating the worst effects of climate change, including extreme weather. None of that can happen without changing food systems because of food systems, the percentage of emissions related to food systems. So it's It's one third, it's just whopping and livestock in particular depending on the numbers you follow is between 12 and 19% of total global emissions right so also like up to one fifth right and that that amount. livestock is particularly beef it's particularly beef but it's important to include dairy in there because for many years dairy was sort of pushed aside
1: right but now we know more that it it um right. If it comes from a cow, it, it, if the it cow is, is, cl- is eating, <laughs> he produces- yes, it's
0: primary, the, the reason it's, so So sheep and goats and things like that are livestock that also produce a lot of emissions, but we have such a small amount of them that it's just not as impactful on an emissions point of view. All right. So it is beef. It's just beef requires so much space, so much land, so much feed so much water and that's why it's it's problematic and and we we have so many of these animals in the billions and we <laughs> we just we we basically grow most of our crops to feed cattle right and more than we grow for ourselves more than we grow for even like using them for things like fiber or other other goods so that's the problem hmm,
1: interesting Well, one of the things that came out in some of the news about the COP28 meetings would be statements like the Emirates Declaration on Sustainable Agriculture was signed by 134 countries, and 143 nations signed the COP28 UAE Declaration on Climate and Health, and over 150 non-state actors signed a call to action for food systems. Like, what? do all these things mean, these
0: declarations, these signatures? Do they make a difference, really? Yeah, so that's a great question. So, so these are what we call the texts of COP. And there's all different ones um, advocated by different groups. The, the reason it matters is because, again, the whole point of COP, in many ways, a lot of the consensus reaching and commitments made at COP are non-binding. But they are a form of accountability. And so all these different declarations, right, those are the three that were heavily watched by people like us in food systems. There were other declarations that were heavily watched for things like energy and, and other kind of important climate issues. But these three were really where there was, there was a potential for a food focus. So the reason we were watching them every day and there was a lot of behind the scenes activating going on was one, we wanted to make sure that all of them had wording that really made it clear that we needed food systems change in various ways and the results were a mixed bag. We didn't get the wording that we wanted in all of these. And then the other thing is watching which countries are committing. Now again, yes, these are non-binding, but they are a public acknowledgement of accountability. And so, you know, you can see one of them had only 134 versus another one, 143 nations. Another one was 150 so what that means is we get all these different so in some cases non-state actors or nations that are publicly committing to the wording in these texts and again i mean that's why you're a cop i mean it's the same thing about this whole issue with the phase out or phase down of fossil fuels it's the same thing that was a text about energy transition and there was so much hoopla and press and media around (laughs) this just this term right around whether basically major countries all around the world were going to essentially say out loud that in order to reach net zero or and decarbonize we needed to move away from fossil fuel extraction they are non-binding but they are public so we can keep track of who made commitments and then is not you know keeping up their commitments right yeah let's hope so so that's the best we can do right now
1: yeah Well, thanks for coming in and telling us about it. And maybe you'll go
0: back again. We'll see. Maybe. (laughs) Azerbaijan, they've just announced that the entire committee is only men, no women. So, yay. Oh, wow. (laughs) Oh, dear. That's complicated. So, it's going to be complicated. For the next show. How about that? (laughs) Absolutely.
1: (laughs) All right. Sonali Figueres of Green Queen Media again. Thank you so much for your
0: time. Thank you so much for having me, Marcy.
1: You can find all the Trash Talk episodes on iTunes and the RTHK on the Go app. Thanks to our partners, Plastic Free Seas If you like what you hear, I also host the Sustainable Asia podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube for a more in-depth look at sustainability issues here in Asia.